Chapter Fifteen of The Princess and the Plowman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The Princess and the Plowman by Francis Morse Kingsley. Chapter Fifteen. Another woman in Mary's case might have sought sanctuary among the pillows of her bed and there abandoned herself to that ecstasy of hysterical weeping which leaves its victim nerveless and inert a mere drifting bit of wreckage in the boiling torrent of human passion but mary stood by her bedroom fire tall and still and tearless reviewing all that had passed between jerome chantry and herself then by slow degrees she became conscious of an overmastering desire to see her husband. He will know what I ought to do, she reminded herself, with a passionate faith in his truth, which a more ignoble nature could scarce have understood. Even though he does not love me, he will help me do what I must do. I shall tell him everything." the light of the winter afternoon was already waning when she passed out of the wide hall under the discreet surveillance of peters won't you have the carriage miss he ventured touched vaguely by some unknown appeal in her troubled face it's biting cold outside she hesitated will you tell mr chantry for me peters that i'm going away for several hours she said I ought perhaps to have written him a word of explanation, but no matter. I may not return until late, but he is not to worry about me. I shall be perfectly safe. Then she was gone, her slight figure hurrying down the street in the pink light of approaching sunset. Peters wondered, respectfully, where the young lady might be going so fast, then shortly dismissed the matter by a still further exercise of that valuable function of mind which had earned and retained for him his eminently respectable position in Judge Chantry's household. There were many trains passing out of the great railway station at this hour of the day. Mary found a place in one of them. She was unreasoningly glad, now that she had started to go to him, and her mind, quickened beyond its wont, was going back over the past, reviewing, examining all that had happened in this new and wonderful flood of light which had poured down upon her out of the unseen. She thought confusedly of her wedding day, and of the solemn questions of the little minister. He had answered them clearly and firmly. He had promised what? The significance of this hitherto unthought of fact suddenly dawned upon her. He had promised to love her. He had promised. And afterward, he had said. What was it that he had said? She held her breath in her effort to recall the scene quite clearly. I promised, yes. But you did not promise, Mary. There is no lie between us. She hid her face in her hands in a sudden tremor of hope and fear, and then suddenly 
it seemed to her the short journey was over she stepped down onto the familiar platform in the red light of the winter evening which gleamed cold and strange on snow-shrouded fields and woods and on the empty road stretching away like a soiled ribbon into twilight distances a solitary figure in greatcoat and muffler was stooping to examine a pile of boxes left by the vanishing train after a moment's hesitation mary approached this figure which seemed somehow to have taken to itself the cold remoteness of the landscape can you tell me she asked timidly when the peddler's cove stage will start the man spat deliberately in the drift then turned to face her they ain't no stage tonight he said laconically but there was always a stage to meet this train persisted mary i know because this is the train i came on last june the man whistled softly and turned over another box won't you tell me please she repeated i've told ye already retorted the man but of course if you know better'n i do what goes on at this ere station why change for me to instruct ye then there isn't any stage that's what i said he raised his voice as if speaking to a person at a distance there's a summer schedule for stages and there's a winter schedule it being the winter season we're a-running the winter schedule till further notice will you tell me how i can get over to the cove mary's voice trembled a little as she put the question she remembered vaguely that she had eaten no luncheon you have a telephone she added with hopeful afterthought gosh no replied the man with a grimace what on earth i'd do with a telephone all alone here and everything and more too a doin half the women folks in the country to be plaguing me with their everlasting questions about nothing i made em yank the gall darn thing out come full you bet seth van housen ain't got no use for telephones round these parts in winter not if he knows it is there any way for me to get to the cove the man stood up and surveyed the girl with an air of leisurely wonder he was an old man wrinkled and weather-beaten and his small deep-set eyes twinkled with a sort of fretful humor where do you want to go miss he asked in a more respectful tone than he had yet employed i'm going to mr ghent's house do you know where it is urged mary i sure do replied the man it's about four miles from here be the road not more'n two miles and a half as the crow flies guess you'd better keep to the road though seeing you ain't growed any wings yet he paused to chuckle dryly at his own conceit keep to the road he went on authoritatively till you get to the red schoolhouse do you know where the schoolhouse is yes answered mary i remember it well when you strike the schoolhouse you take your first right 
then your first left gent's place is the third on the peacock crossroad big stone house you know it when you see it eh yes oh yes breathed the girl she buried her hands deep in her muff and stepped eagerly down into the snowy road don't ye forget what i told you called the man after her take your first right just beyond the schoolhouse then your first left and gint's house she was walking rapidly now the snow creaking noisily under her feet she turned and waved her muff at the man in token that she understood then hurried on with bent head the old station-master stood still on the platform for a long minute, staring after the slight figure. "'I don't know, as I ought to have let her start out all alone like that,' he said, addressing the surrounding silence. "'But gracious, I can't be bothering with every female woman that comes along asking foolish questions. Tain't what I'm a drawin' my wages for.' It was bitter cold, and a great silence seemed to brood over the twilight land. Mary stopped for an instant to listen, in a sudden childish panic of fear. There was neither sound nor motion. The frost crystals, which fringed the bowed weeds at the roadside, sparkled diamond-clear in the pale light of the young moon. The stars shone resplendent, in the vast blue dark overhead snow and silence and the cold lights of a far-away heaven she buried her stiffened face in her muff as if to shut out the sight then hurried forward in the slippery broken track left by infrequent sleigh-runners in the soft snow it was almost impossible to make rapid progress with her long skirts weighted with the clinging snow flapped heavily about her limbs after what seemed a weary age of struggling effort she reached the red schoolhouse the man had said take the first right beyond the school after that the first left she would soon be there and then she strove to picture the old house as it would look in winter a warm vision of a blazing hearth before which he would be sitting alone rising unbidden before her he would welcome her she was sure of it he had said this is your home from henceforth mary her home and she was hastening toward it cold and hungry and weary longing for its peace and shelter and for the sight of its master's face as she had never yet longed for anything in her short life it would be like heaven she thought weakly to meet him here upon this bleak and difficult road how she would cry out to him yes and cling to him secure in the remembrance of his promise then she stopped bewildered two roads stretched away from a broken finger-post hoary with frost crystals to the right of the main track and were lost to sight in the glimmering dusk beyond after a moment of hesitation she chose the lower road which presently led her through a patch of lonely woods 
it seemed to her that she remembered the woods with the broken rail fences on either side overrun with bushes and long snow-laden brambles her feet ached cruelly with the cold she breathed with difficulty in the frosty air i ought to have hired a carriage at the station she told herself regretfully then pressed on as fast as her strong young limbs could carry her the track grew fainter as she followed it in places the snow had blown in fantastic windrows across the road quite obliterating it she struggled through them determinedly just beyond she was sure she could make out the dim outlines of a house against the bleak hillside she approached it hopefully though its low dark windows gave forth no cheerful token to the night there were masses of unpruned bushes crowding the unbroken path which led to the front door the sagging roof of the veranda supported a great curling drift which sparkled in the keen light of the stars then she saw that the door stood open into the black darkness beyond where the drift had ventured in before her and lay in glimmering wreaths on the broken floor she cried out in shivering dismay she remembered the place now she had visited it with a merry party of young people in the warmth and riotous cheerfulness of a july day it was called in the parlance of the countryside the haunted house on the hill to distinguish it from another deserted cabin near the beach known as the haunted house in the cove she hurried back to the road once more tears of fright and fear running down her cold cheeks oh hugh she cried aloud hugh where are you it seemed to her excited fancy that she could hear a voice calling to her in reply she ran wildly down the snowy road stumbling weakly and crying as she went end of chapter fifteen Recording by John Brandon.